PFT Media. You are now listening to Cinema Crespediso. Hey, Crespo Diso listeners and Florida residents, time to go to StreamlineFlorida.com and see about getting a new home equity loan or refinancing your current loan. Guys, loan interest rates are at historically low levels. Take advantage today. Go to StreamlineFlorida.com to get the process started online or call them at 407-898-4477. You can even email the president, Brian Zymel himself, B-Zymel, B-Z-I-M-E-L at StreamlineFlorida.com and ask them about how they can help you get better rates, lower payments, pay off your loan quicker. What do you want to do? Streamline Florida can help you do it. They are A-plus rated at the Better Business Bureau. They are highly recommended by many people. They have so many great testimonials out there. Peter Von Taborski at Scotch Good Conversation and Dee Dee Von Taborski from Dinner and Good Conversation both used their services. Both super happy with Streamline Mortgage Solutions. Find out what they can do for you. Contact them today. Let them know Cinema Crespediso sent you. to do another episode of the Cinema Crash Party Show. This is 16 episodes after 400. It is the failure of our Lord 2022 as we are now looking forward okay. to 2021 ACE. Can things be better? Only possibly. No, not at all. They could be worse. Nope. No, they could be worse. Could be much worse. This they is probably our, will be. This is our future indeed. Mm-hmm. Welcome to this is the new evolution of the <laughs> show. This is post-apocalypse Crespity Soju Sagagban. You want we have now changed people. You want a little Australian Santa on me there. You went from like a, a groggy Herzog to Australian Santa <laughs> groggy, real quick. Groggy Herzog. <laughs> I have drank in too much eggnog at the party, and I think now is time for me to go to bed. <laughs> I was trying to do like the world has fallen, but we're still podcasting. Oh no! So like I'm tired. We'd be actually the, the podcast would probably be a lot better in the post-apocalypse because there'd be more to talk about and we'd be <laughs> more like on edge. Like we'd actually be in international waters. Like we wouldn't be bullshitting. That's true. <laughs> and and our and our podcast would just be us like screaming into bottles and then putting corks in the bottles, <laughs> and throwing, throwing them into the water. Hope someone hears that. <laughs> no, I'm sure. I'm sure at that point in time, like we will have like made some sort of thing where like we can like put them into like old, uh, like. 
Apple iPods and stuff, and then just like send oh, them yes. into the world. Okay, I have <laughs> at least one old iPod. All right, we, all we need is a carrier pigeon, and he'll just keep taking them to person to person. The one pod. Yep. This is the Postman too. Yeah. The Pod Man. Uh-huh. <laughs> We've just. It's a literal podcast, Chris. Someone contact. We, we Kevin record Costner. it. We put it on the iPod, and then it goes from person to person. Yes, and they add to it. We find that they can add to it to the messaging, and and it's and we're bringing hope throughout the our broken mm-hmm. world. It's the, it's the final days, but the one thing that unites us is the podcast. The Postman Two podcast. Postman Two podcast produced by directed by Kevin Costner. Yes, He'll direct it. Yeah, of course. Oh man, of course he will. All right, so I'm gonna cut out this part of the show. <laughs> Stuff in an envelope, but mail it to ourselves. That's how we patent things now, right? Right. Okay. Guys, it is episode 416. That is the truth. It is the final episode of 2020. That is Drew Sikagor, and I am Chris Crespo. How are you doing, Drew? I'm doing. Uh, Merry Christmas. We we had ourselves a Christmas. Yes, we did. In various ways. Yes, we did. Mine involved uh, uh, a, a decent-sized car bill, Christmas, uh-huh. Christmas Eve morning, yeah. and then a... Uh, 15-hour, 16-hour power outage from Christmas Eve to the next day? I mean, I only had a one-hour power outage on Christmas Eve. That's pretty strange, man. <laughs> uh, not just us, though. I mean, we had crazy winds here, yeah. but apparently it was part of a lar- must have been part of a bigger system. There were like 500 people without power. There were people without power up north in New Jersey, New York, for the same thing wind. Uh, people's my, uh, basements were flooding. Like, yeah. I was getting it, it videos. Was a, it was of, the same storm system. That's crazy. That's mm. a big-ass storm system, man. End of days, question mark? Maybe. It's just... Uh, I mean, I hope it has a better soundtrack than the actual End of Days movie. I can't remember... Oh, you mean the... What was on that one? Because that was the era of 90s movie scores that had, like, uh, bands providing it, shit. It was a lot of new metal. Was it? Yes. Oh, Lots of corn, the biscuit, but, things of that nature. But, like, their B-sides. Or stuff for, like, original for the song. Mm. Or for the movie. Like, they might mention something that happens in the movie yeah. or mm-hmm. an allusion to a... Yeah. A theme or something, perhaps. They don't do that enough anymore. Well, it's because it got really silly. It did get silly. Uh, Into the Spider-Verse has a cool, like, dual soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And um, what's his name? Did one for Black Panther. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the guy, the genius, the smart guy from Compton with the with the, the, the butterfly. Come on. <laughs> you know what I'm talking Kendrick about. Lamar. Thank you, sir. I knew you knew who I was talking about. Uh-huh. Our brain is filled with too yeah. much shit today. I mean, Run the Jewels did a song for the Cyberpunk soundtrack. Which is so cool. So, it's a great song. It is a cool video. Yeah. Watch that video mm-hmm. like you recommended. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And uh, we'll talk about Cyberpunk we more. Because you said, how many hours did you spend? Playing? So far, since it came out, I yeah. put in 90 hours. Damn. Last week, you put in like five. So <laughs> you, you did a lot this week. <laughs> Well, and last week after I left, too. Yeah, so. that's what I'm saying. It's been a full-ass week. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. We're going to talk a lot about that in a minute. For sure. That is your media diet. Pretty much, yeah. That and Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman was a, a, a nice little happy break It was a break, a break for you. Yeah. Okay, well, then let's talk about that. Wonder Woman, 1984, in yes. theaters and on HBO Max. Chris. It, I'm telling you, Drew, if there, the Regal was open... Right, and it had the, and they were doing like it was in the beginning, with blocking out seats, no. and I could pick my seat and all that, and I could use the app. I would have gone and seen this at the oh, Regal yeah. here, of course, um, because the Regal is closed, and my options in AMC, where I don't know if they do, it's a thirty-year older theater. I don't know if they do reserve seating. I have no idea what the system is over there. It takes me out of my comfort zone. Whatever little comfort zone I have takes mm-hmm. me out of it. Watched it at home. Of course. I watched it at my parents' house, actually. I watched it at my house with a big-ass TV on my couch. You got a big-ass TV, yeah, for sure. My parents have a nice TV. It's one of them slightly curved ones, so even though I was sitting at an angle, I still had a, a good view of it, which is cool. Um, I would have seen it in a theater. I wish it was shot on film, 
because the whole thing was shot on digital. It looked. Yeah, it looked digital. It, it, it's just a bummer. So, Chris. It's a bummer when things look more and more digital these what, days. What do you think the Rotten Tomato score is? I'm going to put it at overall score. Bet- uh, I'm going to throw this dart. 82%. Oh, you're way off. Way off? 65. Wow. Out of how many reviews? Out of... 200 something? Of 285. Yeah. yeah, those reviews come in fast. Can you click on top critics? Let's, let's weed those reviews down. Uh, C score details, audience score, top critics. 71. So it goes up when he gets to the top critics, when he gets to people with discern. Average rating 6.6. And how many reviews does Top Critics? Does I have to give you that number? Uh, top Critics, uh, 44 plus 18. 62. 62? So it, it drops from 280 to 62? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's cut that riffraff, riffraff out of there. That 71 sounds right. I would have thought it would have been higher. There is, it, it does seem definitely not as well liked as the first one. Mm-hmm. Um also very different from the first one. It's very, very much so. All the same people. Yeah. yeah, it's more... It's lighter. It's definitely lighter, except for the end. The end, it goes full Zack Snyder. It does, yes. <laughs> the, the, the last scene, it's like, and... Like, the Justice League movie... Fucking the Justice League stuff kicks in. The song kicks in. That dun-dun-dun-dun. Like, the sure, yeah. rip-off of, from Terminator. Yeah. And then the skies go dark and everything gets gray. And I'm like, Zack Snyder. That, that, that is Snydery <laughs> For sure. Uh, Jenkins uh, does, does work with the Snyders on these things. Yeah. Um, but the beginning of it definitely felt more Dude, the first, like Shazam. Yeah. like the, the, ev- Everything cool. except for that felt like you, it felt very Shazam. It had that... Family friendly, very light, not so serious. Yeah, I, I liked how. Uh, I mean, no, we're gonna try to try to stay away from spoilers and deeds and stuff. But there is a moment where there's like the MacGuffin of mm-hmm. the movie, the the vice yeah. that's always you know the rabbit's foot or whatever, to so to speak. It's a uh, revealed to be made by like a god, but which god is it and for what purpose? And I was like, oh wow, look at this. Now we're getting into some really big ideas and you know. stuff and then it's like hey, get rid of all that you know yeah just forget about it that, that's just a fun little mm-hmm. side for yeah. whoever wants to mm-hmm. yeah i'm like oh, okay yeah. uh i was disappointed in how the trailers all the commercials featured wonder woman uh using her lasso to lasso from like lightning like oh, look at this like, we're gonna have shit like this and then like that was it that was yeah. all they had from, uh-huh. from that type of yeah. shit in the movie yeah. and it was all, and it's also like a nothing moment she's just transitioning from yeah. From scene to scene, so it's uh, it's a spoiled moment. It is. It's kind of a bummer. That's the marketing's fault. I mean, there there are a couple of moments like that where it seemed like like it was cool. It was a nice reveal. Lots of cool stuff. But but it seemed like it was I don't know, not as epic as it should have been. Yes, uh, not as eighties as it could have been. No. Still too long. I mean, it was still super. Two and a half hours. Yeah. Oh, way too long. Too long. Way too long. Especially for the story they were telling. Yeah. Way too long. Could have cut a cut a chunk somewhere where I'm uh, first viewing. I couldn't tell you. Uh, Maybe get rid of the Amazonian Ninja Warrior opening. Although I get it thematically, but no, exactly thematically, yes. But everything else, it doesn't seems like it doesn't seem like it belongs right in it, a could movie. Have, it could have been a deleted scene that he but the, it, the director's cut yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh still the best in my opinion which is this is my show of course so here's my opinion <laughs> the best dc hero theme song 
Yeah. Since like John Williams, Superman, Danny Elfman, Batman, like the, that Wonder Woman main theme that yeah. Hans Zimmer came up with is like the is up there with it's some good. of the best. It's so good. Uh, and I like how they tease it for like the first hour of the movie. It's just like a dum, 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 dum. it's like oh here it comes here it comes like oh no 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 we'll save it for later we'll save it for later and then and then they do a middle action sequence and it's fun man it's really cool. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's like I liked the movie. Did you like it? Did you like it? I mean, I liked it. I liked it. I didn't love it. D- definitely did not love it. I wanted to love it. I didn't love it. I sat there just like eh. <laughs> yeah, it felt. Uh, it kind of felt like the Aquaman movie for me, where it's just kind of. Sure, sure. It's just. It's just it's there. It's fine. It has its place. It's almost on the fine scale. But I liked Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal's awesome. He's fantastic. He's really hamming it up. Oh, 100%. Uh, uh, anybody who knows what role they're playing, it's Pedro. Right, exactly. He's in it to win it. He's there. Uh, he, I read an interview, he's now shooting the unbearable, the unbearable, what is it? The unbearable heaviness of talent. The, um... The Nicolas Cage movie, the meta Nick Cage yeah. movie, where Nick Cage is like being assaulted by other Nick Cage or something. I don't know. He's in that, so he's working with him, and he revealed that part of his paid, uh, uh, performance as Max Lord is inspired by Nick Cage and his style of mega acting and stuff. And you can see some of that, like mega. Yeah. It's really cool. Gal Gadot is obviously Wonder Woman. I mean, she is Wonder. No, Woman. She is Wonder Woman, right? Yeah. But there's also stuff in the movie where it's okay. This made me laugh. There's things like this. Uh, this just comes to mind right away. Where. And it's played very seriously, but it's like seeing Wonder Woman come home to her DC apartment. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's like, oh, this is a weird moment. Uh-huh. Where, and then she comes home. Like, okay, I guess she, yeah. I guess there is that moment where she would be like in full costume. Yeah. But like, like in her in, in her, her apartment, just like yeah. hanging out, just like chilling, just like, oh, fucking work today. Damn it. Yeah. Taking, taking <laughs> off her boots like, oh, okay. And then there's like another reveal where uh, her sort of bat cave type thing is just like a converted uh, utility closet yep. or something. It's like very small and mm-hmm. humble yes. in a way that uh, was charming. Uh, there's like a lot of weird little details and then like big epic things are hidden in like really obvious weird yeah. spots it's like why? I don't know if some of that stuff is intentionally funny but I felt like it's, there are times when I wanted to laugh in this movie that I don't know if I'm supposed to be laughing mm. at this but I find mm-hmm. it humorous and I'm not trying to give stuff away uh, but there are other times like I yeah. appreciate how they work some of it in I, I, again we had better CG cat lady we had non weird yes. floating face human thing weirdo yes okay i mean that's in the trailers we see cheetah uh and it's only that one scene where she pops up at the end for a final fight and she does look better than the entire other movie of cat people a whole movie of cat people then again you only had to work on one cat person and not like a whole cast of them i mean i get it but still still yes they definitely took a better approach to it i did like the design Mm -hmm. of the movie and the aesthetic of it It, they could have leaned more into the 80s of it but more neon could have gone more neon. that's the thing too it's like when you watch stuff from the 80s that's supposed to be portraying things from the 50s but you're getting a filtered version so that's what we're doing now yeah. right in our mind the way 80s, more neon. the 80s was a wash <laughs> with neon, neon yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. and if you go back to real life no it's probably dull and yeah. boring and uh-huh. everything sucked oh it does i mean i remember living in the 80s fucking there was no public so it was cash and carry it was cash and carry <laughs> i was going to roy rogers there was no kmart no neon kmart yeah. blue light special that exactly was it. that was it um so yeah it, but in the 80s of my memory it's all it's all miami beach yeah it's, it's entire all, the entire country is miami beach <laughs> it's all it's all miami beach and i like cleaned up blade runner it's mm-hmm. that's all it is we're ridiculous people. Our memories are stupid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
I'm going to write that down. Okay. That's, that's the moral to today's <laughs> Our memories are stupid. <laughs> and faulty at that, too. I think that goes along with it, right? No. Exactly. We can't can't trust them, mm-hmm. uh, which is why I which I can't which is why I can't believe people rely so much on eyewitness testimony. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> You're gonna believe this bitch says that I. You know what? We're not gonna go there. <laughs> um, I really did think this movie was uh gonna be. I don't know. I it's like I could see why they hid. In all the marketing, they hid what the story is. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they they sort you know they allude to who the bad guy is, but they focus more on Cheetah, and uh, they stay away from MacGuffin. They stay away from the hook. They don't reveal how Chris Pine comes back. That whole thing is weird as fuck. Oh yeah, they, very, yeah. very comic book. It's all wacky. Yeah, hundred percent comic book. But I'm fine with it because that's yeah. a genre that we're we're in right or, now. Or Twilight Zone, even. I'm fine with that too. That's that's a good comparison. Um, so I was actually on board, right, with with the plotting as it went along. But I could see why they would hide it, mm-hmm. or how they would think people would maybe would end up shying away from something that maybe is so uh, not uh, it's not supernatural, but comic booky. Yeah, I guess just acknowledging the comic bookiness of the of the plot device and all that stuff and how these things work, especially with with movies about the gods and. Amazons and shit like that, you know, all that, all that kind of craziness. Um, yeah, it's an okay movie. It's okay. It's fine. Especially since I was just, you know, it was the end of Christmas, long day, wearing PJs all day. I was so so full of food. Oh my god! And then I had a plate of tiramisu in front of me. I was just like, mm. oh, <laughs> shoving it into me. Like, it's good, but I'm so full. Sugar, fat. Yeah, I was I was <clears> half <throat> dead by the end of the night. Yeah. So maybe that affected my judgment of the movie. I don't, I don't think so. I was fine. I liked how so the villains aren't just villains, you know. Yeah, they're characters, mm-hmm. and they have wants and needs and flaws. Yeah, not just you know the bad guy. Yes, right. And even the bad guy, it's like well, I mean, it's not a real bad guy. It's interesting how it's just they try to just not go straight up. Make it like everything else. It's not, oh, here comes, you know, Zod. Yeah. Or here comes Darkseid. Uh, it's more just um, how do our wants and needs interfere with each other? Yeah. You know, how can they? You know, that kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah, right? It's fine. It's fine. It, unfortunately, it's fine to okay. It's fine to okay, I think, is the, is the scale that we're going at here. Sure. Sounds good. My brother straight up said it sucked. Well. So there we go. That's your full range. Yep. That runs the gamut. So that's the only, that's the only movie you watch because you want yes. cyberpunk? Uh-huh. All right. Well, spoiler free. Let me tell you about... Let's do the Midnight Sky. Okay. That has an even worse Rotten Tomato score. I was looking forward to it, but it is, uh, yeah, not that good. <laughs> 53%? 53? I thought it would have been even a little lower, to be oh, honest. Okay. Yeah, to be honest, I thought it would have been a little lower. <coughs> Maybe an expectation sort of thing, because it is George Clooney adapting a book. Uh, which I didn't realize until partway through the movie, as the movie was like, the plot was unfolding. I was like, is this a fucking book? Like, it, it feels like the kind of plotting that it's doing. And then when I uh, looked up on Wikipedia, sure enough, it's based on the book. Mm-hmm. So, Clooney is a dude who's dying, of course, always. What's, what's a movie without a protagonist with the ticking clock? Yeah. And uh, so he's got some sort of cancer... And he's like the last person on Earth, pretty much, because of a catastro- catastrophic event that they don't even go into detail of what it is. Okay. It's just a, just a thing. It happened. That's happened. People are dead. And to give you 
enough detail along the way to give you the attention that you need, et cetera, et cetera. Which feels like you're very much like a um, book, a book device as mm-hmm. opposed to a movie device, you know? Movies are much more visual. Movies, there's more information. You want to know what's out there. You want more information. And if the characters have it, how come the audience doesn't have it? It's that type of thing. You want to be in the character's shoes. So just to withhold information from the audience that the character already has doesn't work that way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so uh, catastrophic. He's pretty much the last person on Earth. There's, uh, meanwhile, a spaceship of people coming back. That's the, the rest of your cast. Kyle Chandler, David Oyello. Uh, what's her name from Rogue One? Felicity Jones, I think. Something like that. She was also in Theory of Everything, mm-hmm. the Stephen Hawking movie. Uh, what else were other recognizable? Damien Bashir, the uh, the Spanish fella, the older Spanish fella. He is a, a Che. He's a, in Che. He's a, a, a Fidel Castro. Anyway. So they are coming back from a two-year mission where it's a, they found... It's all set in, like, 2049. They found a planet, Drew, that where they could move humanity to. Oh, but there's a problem. There's no humanity left. When they're coming back, Cooney has to be like, I got to get in touch with these people, let them know to just go back to that planet because there's nothing for them here. Uh, so he has to make a trek through the Arctic from his observatory to the nearest communication station. So part of the movie is... I wanted that. I thought that was going to be the movie. Yeah. Sort of revenanty. Yeah. Him making a terrible... And then also there's a, a, there's a little girl involved. Like a little George, silent girl. George Clooney in All is Lost. Essentially. Yes. <laughs> Pretty much. Arctic All is Lost. That's what I wanted. I wanted some rumination, philosophy, uh, visual poetry. All done in about 89 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Give me... And since it was Clooney, I figured, you know, Soderbergh pacing, it'll all work out fine. But it's like a two-hour movie. Mm-hmm. Because it also has to deal with all the shit going on on that spaceship with those astronauts oh, okay. as they're coming back. Um, uh, they have to deal with uh, uh, um, uh, debris. The, sh- the ship, the design of the ship is my favorite part of the movie. Okay. It's um, It makes me think of how Yodorowsky's Dune, where he was like, how come all our spaceships look the same? Like, why can't we do stuff that would work but still looks different? And it's like, it is a Taurus design, tar- Taurus design. Mm-hmm. Um, the centrifuge stuff and all that, um, uh, like solar paneling type things, like things that are recognizable, but done in a way that looks like, oh, this is very uh, future, very cool. Yes, yes, very different, forward thinking. Um, and made me think, did they ha- get access to R and D stuff? And like, did they talk to people who do have like, oh, here, here's some concepts that we're trying to come up with where we can extrapolate 30, 40, 50 years from now. But anyway. So it's like, is it worth watching? You really got to be into... All of it. Yeah, this type of thing. Either uh, you got to be looking for a bird box type of scenario where it's the end of days, someone trying to survive with a child, towing a child along the whole time. Uh, If you're into sci-fi design, like spaceship design stuff, it is worth it for checking some of that stuff out. Uh, But at the end of the day, there's so many things out there. Don't, I'm not saying bump it up to the top of your list or anything. Okay. I'm not saying necessarily stop playing Cyberpunk for Midnight's guy. Okay. You know, unfortunately. I mean, still might be a nice little brainwash. Mm. If you want just some white eat food and chill out, um, something with less neon. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Disney Plus. Disney put out Soul. Mm-hmm. They decided that a while ago, um, a couple months ago, that they were going to do this. And without charging, like... Uh, as opposed to Milan, which was 30 bucks, Soul is just on there now for the watching. 
man. This is this is the best movie I watched this weekend for right. sure. Easily. Did they knock it out of the park? Easily. It's, it's, is this, it's is, wild. Is Pixar back with a bang? Pixar's back, baby. People love Coco, man. Coco's still like I a never, very... I never watched it. I didn't get around to it either. I'm, I'm afraid... Drew... I'm afraid to cry. I'm gonna oh, okay. cry. You know me. I'm no. a, I'm a cry at movies, no. and people are like, "This movie makes me cry." Remember me? See, I even <laughs> know about that, and just saying that makes people burst into tears. And I don't need that in my life at this moment. Uh, but so at the end of Soul, I was like, feel, I was feeling it, and was like, I was like, get a little misty. I was like, I hope my brother's like, oh, <laughs> so embarrassed. Um, it's good. It's it's, it's a very good movie. Mm. I think the marketing does a good enough job of telling you what it is yeah. and hiding what it has in store. Of course. Because uh, it does take some turns. I'm sure. Like, I mean, it's fucking Pixar. I mean, in Toy Story 3, I didn't expect a bunch of toys <laughs> to fucking have an existential crisis about death. So This whole movie, <laughs> this entire movie is an existential crisis, Drew. It's, a, it's, cool. an, it's an hour and 45 minute existential crisis. Okay. About existence and non-existence. Pre-existence, post-existence. How am I not myself? It's, it's, <laughs> it's an animated version of How Am I Not Myself. It, for real. It's crazy. And Pixar's 23. Third movie, okay. <clears throat> their first with a black protagonist, a black lead actor character, which is uh, ridiculous, right? That yeah. it, that it, it took so long. It's it's at the point where you're like, oh, it's it's the first one. Instead of being like, oh, we should celebrate this, it's more like, well, what the fuck? Well, I mean, what took so long to even just naturally come across? I mean, a lot a, of them, a, a black lead character. I mean, I guess a lot of them were just inanimate objects. I mean, the entire Toy Stories. I mean, toys, ye- cars. Yes, okay, I, monsters. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, yes, the toys were white, but they were toys. That's true. Yeah, yeah. So that's true. Yeah. I mean, Wally's what? not. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do we got for black toys? You got a. Like... I mean, they had some of the some of the GI Joe guys were black. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. See, Roadblock. Oh. Um, Jazz, the Transformer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Potato Head was totally black. Yeah, but he was played by Don Rickles, <laughs> man. Um, yeah, okay. That's fair. So, Jamie Foxx, lead. And he's good. I mean, obviously he's and good. He's Jamie Foxx, yeah. T- Tina Fey is uh, number 22. Okay. Uh, little little soul, little pre-soul that he, he has, yeah, he's hooked up with. And... Uh, yeah, man, it's a it's a wild movie about how there's there is no. Speaking of Wonder Woman eighty four, the bad guys being having full characterization. Uh, Soul has no bad guy. Okay. There, there is no antagonist. Okay. The closest there is to it is a. Um, so it's not an afterlife. So is the existential crisis? <laughs> is that the, the antagonist? Yes, the antagonist <laughs> is like recognizing yourself and <laughs> and who you are and your place in the world and uh, the meaning of life to you. What that means? It's so ephemeral. <laughs> uh, like the 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 sort of ticking clock of the movie per se would be this character that's like an accountant. The, the the accountant of all the deaths of every day, and there's like oh there's one soul missing, so it's like, I gotta I gotta go find his soul. So he's just doing his job, uh, and he's not even mean about it. He's fastidious yeah. and like stern, uh, but he's never mean, and he's not like I'm gonna get that that soul. He's not like yeah. like evil about it. He's just like this is, this is my job. I gotta go. I'm, I'm I, got, I gotta get the soul. There's a loose dog. I'm the dog catcher, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm the soul catcher. I gotta go get it. The the, the count is off. Uh, and it still works. It works great. And the score is amazing. John Batiste 
of um, Stay Human, the, the uh, Steve, Steve Colbert's night mm-hmm. band, uh, nighttime show band. He does the earth stuff, okay. all the jazz music and everything, which is all obviously great because he's great um, and piano heavy. The stuff in the great beyond and the great before all that the uh, all the ephemeral mm-hmm. stuff that's all uh trent reznor and atticus ross so it's all very yeah. uh Synthic. epic and yes so yeah. good so good such a great score and yeah there's like visually moments where they to represent things and ideas because they are playing in like interdimensional realms no. and stuff between worlds. They they do things. They can get weird. Yeah, they got pretty weird with it. And because of what the story is about and because of the lack of like clear protagonist, antagonist, because of the whole idea of the movie is about uh, just a life lived, I do not see how this movie can be for kids. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe... Maybe, like, the animation and some of the lighter themes mm-hmm. are there to maybe, you know, not necessarily encourage the children, but to pacify them a little bit about death, you know? Okay. All and, right. And then the deep, heavy stuff is there for the adults who are watching it who are like, what? fucking Pixar. Yeah, they're getting they're, These fuckers, they, do you understand what they're saying? And, and, their kid, and the kids are like, no. Yeah. Like, well, you will, son. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah, when, yeah. When you're old, uh, tired man like me, yeah. child. Uh-huh. And, and, and the son's like, Dad, are you okay? <laughs> and you're crying. No, son. No, I'm not. <laughs> I love you so much. I love you. Life is so tough. Just like squeezing his neck. I love you so goddamn much. Don't squeeze the bunny too hard. <laughs> Lenny, love, <laughs> Lenny loves you so much. <laughs> Poor Lenny. Sometimes you gotta take Lenny on back. Sometimes, sometimes Gary Sneeze gotta take John Malkovich out back. It happens. That launched Gary Sneeze's career. Did you know that? Like that. That got him, uh, Lieutenant Dan, and the, the Lieutenant Dan got him, got him the Lieutenant Dan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Soul's fantastic. It's really, really good. It's for sure, yeah, it's for families, but adults are going to get way more out of it than kids. Uh, can't show kids too young because I don't know if they'd be able to get it. They would like like all the little baby souls they'd enjoy because they're eh, yeah, little cute little things that can't be hurt. They're just bopping yeah. around in a cute, bright little uh, blue-colored universe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, visually they're into it. Visually, the movies. Some, Ob- sure, obviously, yeah. obviously. I mean, it's Pixar. They set the bar. Just keep making leaps. Um and it's in wide, widescreen, 2351, widescreen, anamorphic, which is super cool to see. They don't do that often. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pete Doctor's other movies, Up and um, uh, Inside Out, are the, the more traditional 185 to 1, the more rectangular shape, mm-hmm. uh, like a bigger rectangle. This one's like a wider one. Anyway, that's just more nerd stuff. All right, um, so, so we got so this guy did Inside Out, Up, and Soul. This Pretty fucking deep ass movies, Chris. Yeah, and, <laughs> and he wrote Wally. Okay, yeah. so he's he he's my Pixar guy. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's the guy, man. Yeah. He's the guy. And this one's the first one he did without John Lasseter, who has been creepy me, weirdo. Creepy yeah. weirdo has been finally me too out of the industry. Thank God. Although no, didn't he get a job somewhere recently? He almost did, and then he got, people are like, "What the fuck?" Like, he just got me too. out. Like, okay, okay, we'll wait, we'll wait. <laughs> we'll wait another year or two before we secretly invite him back again. Um, again, our memories are stupid. Yeah, they are. <laughs> they are. 
Um, so yeah, Soul is definitely it. And Soul is my 100th movie of the year. My 100 of 100. So my... Congratulations, thank Chris. Thank you. Yeah. <sighs> my, my tablet's upstairs by my bed. Um, so yeah, it's uh, that's been 100. It's been a, a fun hundo. It's been a bad year for movies. Overall, yeah. I gotta say. Mm-hmm. Agreed. It's been a bad year, period. It's been a bad year for everything. Everything, everything. Unless you're Jeff Bezos. Um, I, I wrote down all the movies that I've watched this year just so we can start doing the top 10 and bottom five, and it's going to be rough. I'm going to have to look through that list. Uh, yeah, I can, <laughs> I can photocopy it for you or something. Just take a picture of it on your phone and send it to <laughs> I'll me. I'll take a picture of it. And, um, yeah, it's going to be tough. Mm. A lot of them. Mm-hmm. Netflix or Amazon. Well, yeah, it was the it was the year of streaming. Jesus Christ almighty. Um, so, otherwise, Media Diet, it was just uh, prepping for Michael Manuary at mm-hmm. patreon.com slash Crespediso. And uh, Christmas movies. I watched most of It's a Wonderful Life. Christmas Eve when my power was out here. I just went over to my parents' house and watched Christmas. Uh, it was a wonderful life over there. Christmas mm-hmm. Eve. So, Why not? I mean, yeah, exactly. Why not? They had power. I needed to charge my phone. It worked, out, yeah. it worked out great. They had alcohol. Um, it's a good movie, man. <laughs> I mean, it's a wonderful life, apparently. <laughs> it's, a, it's a damn good movie. It's epic. It's a damn good epic movie. Uh, like, every year, it's like, oh, this one again. And then I start watching and it. You're like, yeah, this one again. Not, not with that attitude. <laughs> I'm like, oh. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I should be more respectful of this fucking thing. It's actually good. <clears throat> Christmas Day watched most of A Christmas Story. As with the family opening presents and stuff. Mm-hmm. Just what we do, baby. Mm-hmm. Christmas Day. Um, but that was pretty much it. Did I, did I watch anything? And then last night was... And then watching the, these three movies over the course of the last two nights. No. So, yeah, there you go. That's my media diet for the week. Uh, and then you've been doing cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. So tell me, tell us some more like but, cyberpunk tales. Buddy. So uh, I, uh, I, I found some dude and uh, I nailed him to a cross. <laughs> Why would you do that? Why? Because uh, they, they were recording it for what's called a brain dance. So people could relive the crucifixion because they're wacky evangelists. Okay. So. Okay. But I actually like nailed a guy to the cross. So was this a main mission or a side mission? So, the majority of the game is side missions. Okay, fair. Okay. Just so you know, sure. there's only like a handful of main missions, and everything else is just side just, quests. Just run around and do shit. Yeah. Uh, I found. Uh, uh, so apparently, this is the same universe we are in. The prequel to Death Stranding, because I found the Death Stranding baby. No shit. The, 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 the fetus? The, the, the fetus in a tube? Oh, uh-huh. Cool. Uh, That's fun. He's just chilling there. That's hanging. awesome. Is it the same studio that made it all? No. They're just doing a shout out to Death Stranding. No. I gotta play that game. Uh-huh. I gotta play this game. Uh, there are some uh, there are some Fast and Furious moments. Like how? How so? Like straight up like car racing. Like the whole setup and everything. Like cars and hot chicks. And yeah. Weird stuff. Like oh. it's all the sudden... Like, Four of the missions, all of a sudden, you're playing Fast and Furious, the game. And so you're racing? Um, how are the racing controls? It just as, same as driving controls. But, I mean, so how are the driving controls then? <laughs> uh, they're, they're good depending on the car. The, yeah. the sports cars tend to... Because you can go so fast, mm-hmm. so quick, Yeah, they're really realistic. So, like, you burn out and do weird turns, and they're very squirrely at high speeds. Interesting. Okay. So, kind of yeah. difficult, unless you know what the fuck you're doing. But otherwise, so if you're driving, like, a normal car, it... it because I'm always every yeah. time I'm playing a game that has a lot of driving, it's like oh, th- if the driving mechanics aren't oh. good, it becomes a nightmare to play the game. I found the motorcycles the best 
way to go around Night City. Okay. It's fast, it's agile, doesn't crash as much, less things to hit because it's smaller. Uh, and it also seems more appropriate for, uh, for that kind of, like, yeah. I gotta be dressed all in black with a black helmet so uh-huh. the neon can reflect off of my... There's there's a Monty Python reference that I came across during a mission. Okay, hit me with it. Okay, so there's... Hang on here, what do I have here? So there's a mission where there's... You have to chop down a tree with a red herring? No, there's a homeless guy, right? And he's fucking... He's crazy. I'm crazy, mate. And you have to go and check out this thing. And at one point in time, you're talking to Keanu Reeves because, you know, he's stuck in your head. He just pops up every once in a while. Johnny Silverhands. Yeah, and he's like, so what do you expect? And your options are because uh, the, the dude keeps ranting about the reptile people and uh, the neuro necromancers from Alpha Centauri. Okay. So you have those two options. And then the third option, the Spanish Inquisition. Ah. <laughs> so you click on that and then Keanu Reeves says, well, I wasn't expecting that. There you You're go. Like, and no one expects the Spanish Inquisition. No one expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> so a nice little Monty Python joke there for me. That is very I funny. I laughed out loud hysterically. Not, it was not, great. Not too. It's uh, I would actually say, especially if you're by yourself, pretty hard for a video game to make you want to laugh out loud like that. Dude. No, That's but, pretty fucking funny. When, you, when Keanu really Reeves... Good. When you say the Spanish Inquisition and Keanu Reeves says, I wasn't expecting that, it's like, come on! <laughs> That's the joke right there! It's so funny! That's some good stuff. Uh, there's, uh, uh, I investigated uh, a psycho killer. Ba, 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 so that was fun. Ba, 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 ba. Mm-hmm. And uh, during the races, there's... Uh, why, why did you have to invest a psycho killer? Uh, it's one of the side missions for one of the optional characters that you can help out. He's like a, a policeman, and like he's he's going off the grid to hunt down the psycho killer. I need some help finding this guy. Uh-huh. I need some help. Yep. It's like, I got yep. you. No. Okay, that sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into that. Uh, also, in the racing ones, in the, in the racing games, mm-hmm. there's, uh, there's, uh, there's a green car that's in all the races, and it just so happens the dude driving it, guess his name. Think green and racing. Green racing, green racing. Uh, uh, why is it? Why can I not? Th- I got nothing. Luigi, get the fuck out! <laughs> of they, 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 they didn't go Mario. They went Luigi it, instead. It's a me, Luigi. Uh-huh. Wow. So, does, yeah. he have, does he have a mustache? Can you see the guy? Yeah, he does, does he have a mustache. White, yeah. white overalls, and, and, and it's no, he's not not wearing over. He's he is wearing overalls, but they're not green. Okay. but he does have that weird Mario cap on so, too. Son of so, a bitch. You know. What's going on in this world? Or they're just like pulling in shit from Death Stranding and Luigi. And what, what's going on in Monty this world? Python. It, it is what I've decided. I've decided that Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven is like the altered carbon of this genre, but in video game form, matching like, everything just, into it. One just thing. takes all of it. And filters it through its lens and presents it to you, and but all it's all right there. It's like, like if you know what you're looking at, I mean, mm-hmm. one of the first motorcycles you get, it's the fucking Akira bike. Yeah, you mentioned that. <laughs> yes, you get the Akira bike. And yeah. Yes, and, what and the it, fuck. And it's na- it, it's named something Kusanagi, and Kusanagi is actually the name of the uh, uh, the major in. Uh, um, Ghost, Ghost in the Shell. What the fuck? Major Kusanagi. See, so. it's like it's like all the, the references are there. It's like the <laughs> August Burns Red Thrill Seeker of video games, yeah. where it's like we're just gonna take all the best parts of all your favorite things yeah. and put them together in one package, yeah. and then you're like, it's too much, but no, I love yeah, it exactly. <laughs> yeah, I gotta get on this. I gotta get on it, man. I highly wait. Uh, get the next generation 
to, 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 to play it. Yeah. But I'm planning on getting the four PS4. Trust me. Just get the new one. Do it. God damn it, Drew Stokogman. Just fucking do it. If if I kind of wish they hadn't released this game on the previous consoles. And, you wish and they would have forced, forced you, me, yeah, to to go up. Because because I would. I would have taken the force. I did the same. Ooh. I did the same thing for when Fallout Four came out. That yeah. was my okay. I have to buy an Xbox One. I have to because I have to play this game. Yeah. So I mean, Cyberpunk would have been that game for me. I would have upgraded. It w- it would have stung, actually, but, but I'd have done it. Actually, my brother's getting a Xbox One eventually. Eventually, whenever they're available again. Yeah. Uh, so I'll get it for his. There we go. There you go. And also, I'll get my PS Four because I got that. I got to get out of that Hideo Kojima, bro. Yeah. He makes insane games, and I haven't played any of them. And I feel like I've missed out my whole life. My whole video game in my life, I've missed out. I mean, by, I don't not, think, by never getting in on PlayStation games. I mean, I don't think you missed out. You just missed... The th- I missed out on all the Metal Gear Solid stuff. The thing is, though, all those... Uh, all uh, the Final Fantasy stuff. A lot of those games are straight-up Japanese imports, and there's... Oh, Which I'm fine with. There's something, there's something about the Japanese games that I don't quite... I don't know. They're not. They don't do it for me the Culturally, way. They're not grabbing you. Yeah, they don't grab me the same way that the other ones do for whatever Does reason. Does Zelda do Mario? The Zelda. I mean, yes and no, but no, the, the classics are Japanese created. But here's the thing: that was all based in a fantasy world, and it was very limited. I'm talking about games that are more based in well, Final Fantasy, but uh, but uh, like uh, Death Stranding and yeah, those are yeah. all. I don't know. Just all some, the Hideo Kojima stuff. Yeah, as there's well. just something about the narrative that, the, and the way that I don't know. It's just not my type of game. Fair. Hey, can't be for everyone. That's fine. Maybe it's for me though. Perhaps I, I haven't found out. You don't know, and I need to find out. <laughs> I want to know. Um, I want to know. <laughs> Cyberpunk <laughs> sounds like a lot of fun. It is, and uh, it's great. It's cool. So you're you're down psycho killers, down psycho killers, uh, crucifying people. <laughs> at at a certain point in time, I take a bunch of drugs and fucking Johnny Sil- and Keanu Reeves straight takes over my body. Ooh, fun! So that's cool. No, yeah. that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it raises a lot of hell. Utah, give me two. <laughs> um, all right, well, we're gonna take a, a break here, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, and then I have here a final 2020 Billy D's Death at the Movies. He's uh, really cranking through his movies in the last couple weeks to get to 100. uh, 100 movies, but he's going to do it. I have faith in him. He's got a full week. So here's Billy D's Death at the Movies, and then uh, we're going to be back with the second half of the show. We have some emails. I got a bunch of stories. New stories, and then we have a return of 2020's hottest new segment. What, Christie's Entertainment Weekly? Don't, don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. <laughs> Watch a few movies, take a few notes. Billy D's Death at the Movies. What's up, my dudes? Hope everyone at least had what passes for a good Christmas in the worst year. So I am finally getting around to updating my hundo and closing in on that 100, which means I've watched a lot of stuff. So let's talk about it. Spontaneous. I had very minimal expectations about this. I guess I never quite paid attention enough to the trailer to get the vibe, and I was like, Exploding teens? Cool. I'm in. I'm easy to please that way. What I thought I was watching was a cheeky comedy about teens exploding, and what I got was a seriously great and heartfelt coming-of-age film that gets so much right about growing up and first loves and first losses. Also, loads of exploding teenagers. What a surprise. 
I looked up the writer-director Brian Duffield and then was surprised to find I'd seen a bunch of stuff he'd worked on and had liked it. This prompted me to check out Love and Monsters, which he wrote but did not direct, and which I also really liked. Another pretty great little movie with fun performances and a weird hook involving meteor fragments and giant mutant animals and this coward kid walking 85 miles in monster-infested California to find the girlfriend he just connected with after seven years of living underground. What a strange movie to find during the pandemic. Features one of the best on-screen pets of all time. Don't at me. I also saw Wonder Woman 84, and it was fine. It was paced really slowly and never quite reached the heights of excitement of the first one. I also wondered why they ditched the Junkie XL theme. Like they sort of toyed with it, but when Cheetah started to get her powers, it was a very weird choice. A lot of very weird choices made in this movie. Like why did the Wish Stone only make Steve Trevor a quantum leap ghost, but it could make giant walls and nukes and stuff? That's a weird thing, right? And like, did everyone just forget about this? You'd think everyone would remember the day in 1984 where reality just flipped upside down. It was just, it was fine. It seemed like a superhero movie from before the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. Like, it was a throwback, but in the some of the worst ways, as well as some very good ways. I really like seeing her save people. Like that's a thing that they've forgotten to do in some of these DC films. Anyway, I'm starting to think about my best of list and stuff. Some of you saw me start to work out my feelings on music on Instagram at the beginning of the month, but I think this year's best of film lists are going to be pretty interesting. Happy New Year, everyone. Let's put this fucking baby to bed. Stay cool. Stay safe. Billy D. I say baby too. How's it going, Drew Zakyburn? Chris. How was that cigarette? It was delicious. I mean, in a nice cool weather, a wintry cigarette mm-hmm. is kind of nice. You're out there, it's a little cold, but you got this, you're, you're breathing the hot fire like yeah. a dragon. Mm-hmm. I'm an earthbound dragon breathing in this smoke. And then uh, hook me up to a, a oxygen tank because I'm dying. It's, uh, with, 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 what is it? Col- uh, pulmonary... Culinary, yes. Compulsionary, mm-hmm. <clears throat> all those things. Oh boy, last, last show of the year is a tough one. Oh boy, things are things are winding down slow. All right, here we go, guys. We are doing a whole second half of the show. Where first we're gonna do some quick plugs, cinema so at gmail.com. You can email us and we'll read it on the show. Drusa Cogman will do so in just a minute. Patreon.com slash Crespadiso. Uh we are gonna do our best of episode next week. That is going to be interesting as fuck. And then we start Michael Manuary. Yeah, yeah. Uh which is oh my god, trust me, a lot better than twelve months of cigar. Um also better than Sequel Sember. I thought Sequel Sember would have been better. <laughs> it was okay. Started strong with Indiana Jones. Charles was fun. Charles was fun to talk about. Um. Oh, and you guys can't you 
I have no idea what's in store for February, but it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait. So patreon.com slash crispy. So sign up for them shits. Anywhere from one to five dollars a month to get you bonus episodes every Friday. Crespity so on Twitter, Cinema Crespity so on Instagram, Cinema Crespity so Facebook group. I put up a thread there that people can comment on so we can read them on the show, but no one used it. That's fine. Oh, I just smacked you, the microphone. I, know, sorry, I heard. Sorry. I saw. Sorry. Yes. I'm right here. Oh, man. I'm out of breath. Okay. How to get all that stuff out? How to get it all out? I get out. Also, I gotta do the math, but this is like one of the final episodes brought to you by Streamline Mortgage Solution Solution Show Oh boy Show Illusions. Oh boy. That's what they're like. I thought that omelet was illusory food. I thought that omelet would have soaked up more alcohol. And it did not. Mm. Eggs aren't good at alcohol, so you need more you need carbs to soak up no, alcohol. It was a full ass omelet though, with like dude, ham, broccoli, chicken, uh uh so much cheese. Too much cheese. It was a damn good omelet. No such thing as too much <laughs> when it comes to cheese. You tell that to my guts. <laughs> you tell that to my bubble guts. <laughs> Actually, no, don't stay away from that. That's a that's a human centipede situation. Ooh. Gross. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Very much so. Very, very much. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let me see. Where are we going to start? Let's do some emails. Let's hear from the peoples. Let's do Drew Sakaga with some Vox Pops. What do you treasure? Huh? That's an anti-Donna thing. <laughs> the, the treasure segment. What do you treasure? We're doing we're doing Vox Pops. Uh, we got an email from Ron. What's up, Ron? Yeah, yeah. Miss you tons. Oh, miss you, buddy. So the discourse over soul. I understood it, mm-hmm. but it was much ado about shit. Mm. It was fun and whimsical. It made me cry. Yeah. I wish people, Twitter, would give things a reasonable room to breathe. But who knows? So, Drissa Cogman, what he's talking about the discourse involves um, how Tina Fey is the voice of the the young pre-soul, mm-hmm. and there's a stretch of the movie where Tina Fey voices a black character as as her own voice, as a white woman's voice. Okay. And they even acknowledge in the movie that she has a white woman's voice, and that it is an annoying is a choice done to annoy people apparently. Uh, so it's like a meta joke, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, white, white women, uh, Karens. Mm-hmm. And there is discourse about how it's like, like, get out. The inhabiting of black bodies, the mm-hmm. using of black bodies to express white voices and things like that. Mm-hmm. And how is that culturally insensitive and whatnot? And uh, so since I saw about that going into the movie, I was sort of like bracing myself for it. And then as it happened, I was like, mm, I don't really find it problematic. Uh, but also, I'm not black. It's not my experience, so I'm not going to say others are wrong for having that idea. But I do. Ha- I am going to start with Ron on this one. It, I do think it's a little overblown, a little much too much, a much ado about nothing sort of situation, mm-hmm. and uh, it's not done with any malicious intent whatsoever. Uh, um, ultimately, the character that Tina Fey is voicing is a raceless character. They, okay. That's why they even talk about why her voice sounds a certain way. Uh, which is, you know, so them even addressing it. I don't know. It's interesting. I'm going I'm, I'm to start with Rondo. It's a, it's a good, fun, whimsical, and at times touching on the profound movie. Okay. So, yeah, that that's not going to bother me. I'm not going to let it bother me. Wonder Woman 84 was also a delight. But people say there were plot holes and too long of a middle. 
but I just saw it as a comic book. This shit happens. They make a depth by fleshing shit out. They did it in the first one. I can give the naysaying on Cheetah final digivolution. But PP was great antagonist for the decade with the theme of greed. I yeah. felt for the realism of the person who grew up the way he did. Mm. I think if we didn't have that, there would be holes. Agree. I think I agree with pretty much all that. How, yeah, that that was like what kind of made the movie worth it for me. The surprising amount of attention to Pedro Pascal's character, to um, Kristen Wiig's like her. It is weird how they have two bad guys, and like the first half of the movie is the evolution of one, and then the second one is like, well, this is how this character got there. Uh, it is sort of like two separate things stuck together, but that's the problem you have with any of these comic book movies that tries to have more than one villain, mm-hmm. right? And then they sort well, of no, arbitrarily sort of a team well, up at one point. Well, no, exactly. Well, and here's the thing, and in, in the comic books, like the threads uh, that they they have to portray in the movie have been there for months in the comic books already yes. from other stories yes. and this, that, the other. But in the movie, they have to introduce it all. 100%. So. You're so right. It's like uh, Cheetah's been doing her thing for like a year or more no. in, in uh, Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. And then Maxwell Lord is doing his thing in like the amazing stories of Wonder Woman or something. And then they finally team up together. Yes, you're well, that's so correct. In a movie, it just doesn't work the same way. When Venom uh, runs into Sandman in an alley, it's like, hey, you hate Spider-Man. I hate Spider-Man. Let's, Let's do this. together. Yeah, it's, it's like, come on, guys. I get it. Uh, I have some questions for you that I want you to quick draw your answer. First thing that pops into your head. Here we go. Rhinoceros. Favorite childhood show, cartoon show? Uh, He-Man and Masters of the Universe? No, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Okay. Mine was G.I. Joe. Okay, there you go. Yeah, okay. Least favorite soda flavor? Uh, Pineapple. No, grapefruit. I was going to say grapefruit. Squirt. My mom used yeah, to drink that shit. Squirt. It there is you not go. Good. Get that shit out of here. Adult soda garbage. Are hot dogs a sandwich? No. I, I could argue both sides. Uh, there was an episode of Offcuts where they argued this for like 40 minutes with uh, Nick Jorgidiu. Is that right? Yes. Yes. And uh, they, they came to a conclusion, like an official academic Offcuts conclusion. And I forgot what it was. What? That, that, that it's a taco? <laughs> A hot dog is a taco. <laughs> uh, Elliot says a taco is a sandwich. Well, then, by default, there we go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to listen to the Orlando Meats guy. All right. He knows. <laughs> what is scarier, vampires or werewolves? Um, vampires, because they're vampires all the time. Werewolves is only like a once a blue moon. Mm-hmm. Literally, once a blue moon. No, once I have a full moon. moon. Yeah. So, like once a month. Yeah, a blue moon, it would be twice a month, actually. So, that's even worse. Mm. But anyway. If you played football, what would be your position? Defense. Uh, oh, well, now I'm too small now. Uh, t- tailback? What's a tailback? Is that a small guy? I don't know. I'd be the placeholder. The guy who holds the football. I was about to say, I'd, I'd probably be the kicker. You'd so. be the kicker. <laughs> You'd be <laughs> the kicker and I'd hold the football so you can kick it. Please don't kick my hands. <laughs> Please don't kick my hands. Please don't hit my face. Yeah. yeah. Well, I have a helmet. I have a helmet. Don't give me a concussion. That's it. Thanks, Ron. We'll be doing well out there in L.A., buddy. They got them motherfuckers draconian lockdown, you know. Uh, well, it's because there's, there's too many inconsiderate assholes out there fucking it up for the rest of them. That's true. They're doing a lot of those Hollywood Hill influencer parties, and it's, it's home gatherings that fuel the spread. 
and spread still really bad in LA County, but like they lock down so hard out there. There has to be a middle ground between what they're doing and what's not not happening in Florida. In Florida. <laughs> yeah, there has to be a middle ground. Some states are doing it, and they're doing okay. There are some states out there that are doing okay. Not, not, not us, though. Oh I got an email from Gabe. What up, Gabe? Who's down in South Florida driving the uh, <laughs> the pandemic in the state? It's South Florida and it's Orange County, so it's both of us. What up, show? What up, buddy? I've been hearing about this Festivus thing, and apparently there is an airing of grievances. Oh, boy, here we go. I don't know what it is or what it accomplishes, but let's get at it. Let's air some grievances. Drew Cogburn. I don't... What are your grievances? Movie-related, politics, life... It kind of sounds like pet peeves, so here I go. No, we're getting we're getting Gabe's grievances. Gabe's grievances. Let's have trailers trail again. I want to oh, get sure. in there and get out. And if your trailer is interesting enough, I'll stick around. It'll make movie stingers something to expect. Plus, trailers mm. are so ubiquitous. When you go around the same time, you're seeing the same shit. I, if you didn't get hit, if you didn't get hit it. In a YouTube video or show you're watching or some other overstuffed ad streaming device, Hulu. So, trailers, get to the fucking back of the movie again. I like that idea a lot. Trailers should go back to trailing movies as they originally did. That's a great idea, actually. And then would give you a reason to, first off, sit through the credits. Because technically it is disrespectful to get up when the movie says, directed by, and then everyone gets up to leave. Technically, disrespectful. The movie's still playing. There's music playing. It's the, it's the, the outro, the overture. The, you're looking at the, these are the people that made your movie. It's, a, it's like the roll call in the theater, mm-hmm. right? You should be sort of observing it. Um I don't. As soon as I start, I get, get, get up. Is there a mid-credit scene? Okay, I'll sit for the mid-credit <laughs> scene. Right? After that, I'm out. Uh, but if you did trailers, mid-credit scenes and credit scenes, trailers, uh, you know, then it, it makes it all flow a little better. It could work better. And yeah, I, I, then I could sit, choose to sit there for another 10 minutes to see, okay, what's coming up? Coming soon. James Bond in A Message Never Lives. Sounds about right. Yeah, I'm down for that. That's a good okay. grievance. That's a good good grievance, Gabe. Okay, so Gabe's grievances graded good or mm, I'll figure it out. Does he have any more? Nope. That's it. That's his only grievance. Yep. Oh, I was so set up for like a whole list of grievances. Gabe, it's nope, the just one. it's the airing of grievances. I also thought we were gonna get grievances like for us for the show. Yeah. Like I was looking forward to some constructive criticism, buddy. Mm-hmm. You've gotten it before from nope. from people that I respect. It's one thing to get like message from people, Drew, who I've never heard from, and then they like complain about something on the show. I'm like, you've never, I've never I don't even know who you are, and your only message to me is a complaint about the free thing that I do for you weekly mm-hmm. for st- seven years now. Go fuck yourself, right? But then there are other people who have been supportive and whatever, and do have some friendly, constructive criticism, and then I appreciate it and I take into account. Nah, nah, I mean. No, I mean, I mean a little bit, I guess, oh, maybe, perhaps. A little bit, perhaps. Maybe. Uh, time for the hottest new segment of 2020. The only new segment of 2020. That's right. Time for Chris Reed's Entertainment Weekly, so you don't have to. Uh, it's the Entertainers of the Year mm-hmm. edition. Uh, extra wet, thanks to the weather mm-hmm. this week. And it's sitting in my mailbox for a day or two. Oh, I thought it was because Mario Lopez was on the back cover. On the back cover? Oh, yeah. See you Slater, <laughs> 2020. Between that and Kerry Washington on the front cover, I was good to go. I was doing this. I was going oh, yeah. back cover, front cover together uh-huh. like that. Have you seen the uh, 
the sexy KFC commercial with Mario Lopez. Where the colonel is down to fuck. Was that just a commercial? I thought there was a whole ass... Uh, no, it was Mario Lopez. There's a Hallmark like Christmas movie. Dean Kane as the colonel. But it's a whole movie. Interesting. Mm-hmm. We've, we've crossed the Rubicon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've crossed it for sure. Uh, I got... Cover three of six. Uh, it's the Entertainers year end. There's six covers were Taylor Swift, Sasha Baron Cohen. I got the Kerry Washington one. Uh, Dan and Eugene Levy. Schitt's Creek was ended yeah. up so hot yeah. that they got the cover. Uh, we already talked about him, Pedro Pascal. And of course, Chadwick Boseman. Rest in power. King. Uh, I'm pulling the three things from here. I read it. So you don't have to. A couple interesting things. Actually, it's a pretty good issue this time around. Thing one. What's thing one? This one's pretty good. Thing one is a little little blue-haired goblin with the red shirt. What about thing two? Also a blue-haired goblin. I mean, that's why they have the numbers. So you can say... Thing three. So, so, I don't know. Would that, would that be the cat, technically? Was he, like, related to them? I don't... They didn't really do a whole tree thing. So on the Sasha Baron Cohen, they did a quick little interview thing here. Uh, this is some interesting stuff. First off, about the Borat movie hoping to have had any impact on the election he's like i'm not sure about that but he did point this out he says um the movie was released on amazon prior to the final presidential debate the image of rudy giuliani on the bed with his head down his trousers was circulating the day before that so did it slightly dampen the impact of his october surprise because giuliani was the one who provided the um the quote the hunter biden's yeah. laptop to mm-hmm. the new york post New York Post, one of only four newspapers in the country, in the country, to endorse Donald Trump for president. And yeah, of course, they were the only ones who would run, run the story, which uh, they applied someone's byline to it who did no work to it, and then someone else's byline who then had to come out publicly and be like, I did not write this article. Mm-hmm. I, did not, I did not do this. Um, so that's interesting. Yeah, he did. did Totally. I mean, Giuliani was also torpedoing himself because yeah. he's a fucking weirdo. Yeah, weirdo maniac. Uh, another question: What was it like to get the call from Aaron Sorkin to play Abby Hoffman in the trial of the Chicago Seven? Here's Cohen. I've got to be completely honest. I made the call in 2007 to Steven Spielberg. I heard he was making a movie about the Chicago 7, and I had been obsessed with Abby since my early 20s. I went through a long process with Steven before he gave me the part. Unfortunately, that project was tragically destroyed by the deaths of two of the cast members, Heath Ledger and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Okay, so it could have been Steven Spielberg's. Steven Spielberg's Chicago 7! But fucking a 37-year-old Baron Cohen, okay? That yeah. fixes one problem, no longer a 50-year-old man there. Uh, and fucking Heath Ledger and Philip Seymour Hoffman? Yeah. Fuck. Um, and then the final death knell was the writer strike. I saved the project for 13 there were issues I cared about that I didn't want to let go of. When Aaron took the project, I pitched myself again. It's pretty well. Nuts. Uh, let's see. Moving on now to number two. Like I said, there's actually some really good stuff in here. Some nice little interviews. Um, also, the bylines are interesting. A lot of like, like uh, uh, Jamie Fox. There's a little thing here on Jamie Fox, but it was written by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, there's a uh, what else I see in here. This thing on Jonathan Majors was written by uh, his Lovecraft Country co-star, Journey Smollett. Okay. Right? So they, they did cool things like that. 
throughout this issue. It's actually a decent issue. Um, the obituary section is kind of short for 2020, but each one was written by someone interesting. Uh, so that's actually worth checking out for people. But that's not one of the things. I did pull this though. They did a top 10 year's best films. Okay. We haven't got a chance to watch some of these, Drew. Yeah. Their number one movie is Nomadland. It's a Frances McDormand movie where okay. she's uh, going around the country in an RV. A very like somber, quiet little character piece that has played festivals all year. People have been loving, really loving. Uh, kind of almost a de facto best movie of the year for mm -hmm. a lot of people so we have to really look, keep an eye out for it as it becomes available to us Nomad Land Chloe Zhao is a director who um, she went to Marvel and said I want to make one of your movies and they're like alright well this is what we got and she got Eternals okay so that's how that happened um, Soul came out to number th um, for three who wrote this Leah Greenblatt, that's her, that's her film credit. She put Soul at three, First Cow at four. Remember that one? Mm -hmm. I remember First Cow. Um, Emma at five, the uh, mm -hmm. the Jane Austen adaptation. Didn't get a chance to see this yet. One Night in Miami, the Regina King movie, mm -hmm. her first movie, I think. Uh, that's about uh, Cassius Clay, Martin Luther King, I think. Who else? Mm -hmm. Who is it? Or is it Malcolm X? Why am I mixing them no, up? No, it'll be Malcolm X. Yeah. Malcolm X, uh, Cassius Clay, uh... Sam Cook and someone else. Yeah. Um, Promising Young Woman at number nine. That's the uh, that's done by the um, Killing Eve showrunner. Yeah. And some of these sound other ones sound interesting. The White Tiger is on Netflix now. It's a new Raman Barani. Mm -hmm. uh, I like her list of prestige movies gone bad, like Capone. Yeah. Right. Remember that one? Yes. We're sure to talk about that in our in yeah, Patreon. Of. Yes, for sure. Um. I, I never, I didn't see this because the reviews weren't that good. But on Netflix, Hillbilly Elegy, Ron Howard's. Oh yeah, putting it at the bottom here. John Stewart's Irresistible, his political satire yeah. from this year. Didn't see it. I heard it missed the mark. Fucking lambasted, like holy shit! Yeah, people, heard, people hated it. I heard it missed the mark. People were questioning, like, was John Stewart ever funny? Like, <laughs> am I have I been wrong all these years? That's how bad it is apparently. And uh, Robert Zemeckis' remake of The Witches made that list, which is very funny. On HBO Max, and uh, finally, I pulled one last thing. I found this pretty interesting in light of Michael Manuary coming up here. Mm -hmm. um, this is on CBS starting early 2021. Speaking of Cyberpunk 2077, they those fuckers love Michael Mann. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. dude, you, like you're you're just driving around the city, and all of a sudden, like you turn a corner, everything's wet. <laughs> well, it's no, it's like you said in a future episode yet to come out. It, 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 just setting the stage for what culture is going to be. Yeah. Even just, 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 just how. By the way, you don't know that everything is going to look cool like this, but everything looks everything cool will. like this. Yeah, it's like it's like by accident, like not even realizing. It's like uh, yeah. more, Giorgio Morador yeah. like applying a, well, look, a metronome to a yeah, set. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it's like that picture I got that fucking uh, that Bill took downtown that looks like it's from Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Yeah, he tweaked, <laughs> he, he tweaked the coloring a little bit, and it looks amazing. It's the backdrop on my a backdrop on my phone. Yeah, it, yeah it, you it, blew it up into a, a framed picture. Yeah, it's like the the only way. You know that it's an actual like picture from our time is like if you look at some of the some like of the, the ads, stock tickers and some the of the, the, the actual again, ads. So, some of the ads are, look, look like they're straight from a fucking cyberpunk movie because they're like Asian <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, 
if you don't know what we're talking about, um, I guess tweet us and we'll, we'll find a way to point you to the picture. It's it's easy available. Bill should be okay. selling prints at, of that shit. At, at Billy D Snaps. How does Bill not have like a shop to like be selling his pictures? I mean, I don't know. It's, it, he's, I mean, I just he's, he's a busy guy. I just went last time I saw him. I was like, hey. Do you have any pictures for sale? Because I want some. And he was like, I got this. I was like, fuck yes, you do. It's mine. <laughs> yeah, that, that one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. I look at, I see it literally every day, multiple times a day when I turn my phone on. Well, yeah. I mean, I got it hung up in my living room. Oh, so It's so cool. And it has John Leguizamo's late night yeah, totally. uh, and history for morons. That's the only way you know. Now streaming on Netflix. Everything else, though, like that big orange one or the one with the hand. Yeah. Like the techno hand. Yes. Fucking like that's straight up a goddamn movie. It's so cool. It's so cool. Okay. Uh, so on CBS, we have a show called um, Clarice, okay. and it's Clarice Starling. Oh, okay. And it's a direct sequel to Silence of the Lambs. It oh. takes place in 1993. I was hoping it was going to be a prequel and we could see the Silence of the Lambs. Okay, no, see, is that interesting? <laughs> well, maybe we'll get to see the Silence, because that's her story. Yeah. That's Clarice's story, yeah. which is fine, because that's who we're focusing on. This is an interesting effectoid here, Drusa Cogman. So this uh, takes place in 93, and it's set a year after the events of Silence of the Lambs. Um, according to this article, the rights to Thomas Harris's characters are divided between MGM and the Dino De Laurentiis company. So the CBS show will have all of the Harris characters that NBC's Hannibal did not. Ah, there we go. So Hannibal will be... Uh, don't say his name. Yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. you'd be like, oh, you know who. They'll, yeah. they'll probably be. Well, th- th- it'll be him. Yes. <laughs> and then you'll know who they're talking yeah. about. Yeah, but they can't They can't nope. say it. Um, but I guess that also meant, conversely, on Hannibal, they could never mention. Starling. Yeah. Starling or any of that shit. Um, well, Buffalo that- Bill mm-hmm. and all that, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah, it's interesting how those how those rights end up getting split up like that between companies. Um, so that's what this show is. It's set in 93. And um, a big part of it, it says here, is that it's set right after how the FBI is dealing with um, Waco, Ruby Ridge, and the first World Trade Center bombing. And she will be dealing with sexism in law enforcement. Duh. And season three won't have a traditional serial killer. So that's sort of a departure from what you would expect from a Hannibal Lecter, Clarice Starling type thing. There won't be like a Buffalo Bill type of character. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Sure. So it's a CBS show. I don't know. How, I probably won't watch it. Yeah, I don't know how good it could actually be. But I found that all that right oh, stuff yeah. pretty Very interesting. interesting. Yeah. Um, so there you go. That was it. I read Entertainment Weekly, so you didn't have to, guys. You're welcome. Uh, let's see what we got going on here in the news world. We got about 20 minutes or so. We can bang through the shit. Let's see. You know, and did I send me self the article? Yes, I did. Ah, okay. The ongoing story of HBO Max and Warner Brothers and AT&T saying, we're going to release everything in theaters and on HBO at the same time. Then all these other people will be like, hey, you didn't talk to us about that first. One of those people is the Legendary Pictures Mm -hmm. who financed, not just worked on, but they largely, they paid for Dune and King Kong versus Mm -hmm. Godzilla. And then for HBO or for... AT&T, they'd be like, oh, yeah, we're just going to put this on streaming now. Legendary was like, hold the fuck up. You about to get sued in in a court of law for this shit, man. Like, this is going to get bad. So, they hammered out a deal. Allegedly. Hammered out a deal. Here we go. First off, Dune. Theatrical only. Okay. Not part of the HBO deal okay. anymore. 
I'm okay with that. The idea being, its release date is so far after vaccination rollout that theaters should at least be at, you know, 75% capacity, like should be operating. There won't be at 100%, will be operating good enough that you can have a traditional rollout uh, without having to hamstring movies, theatrical performance by putting it on streaming right away. Uh, Godzilla v. Kong can go to HBO Max if, remember when Netflix was like, yo, we'll pay you $200 million for this movie mm-hmm. to stream it? Legendary said, yeah, you can put it on HBO Max if you pay us $250 million. So they upped the number mm-hmm. and said, yeah, you can do the same thing, but you gotta pay us now because where, where the yeah. fuck is our money? Uh, so, Warner Brothers, they, they thought they were a big shit on Turd Mountain with this deal. Stocks went up. People were like, oh, this is it. The death of cinemas, blah, blah, blah. There are too many, like, um, uh, hands, you know, in, in the pockets. There are too, mm-hmm. too many too many irons in that fire for someone to just come along and throw that fire on. People not get mad mm-hmm. about the, the revenue stream getting cut off. So, um, Dune, gonna be, it's going to be a theatrical event, buddy. Great. That's what it should be. And I can't wait. I can't wait. But streaming, though. Let's talk about streaming. Okay. Uh, it's been a week. I think we can talk about it. it. It's news now for anyone that cares. The end of Mandalorian season mm-hmm. two revealed that there, we're going to be getting next year the book of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Interesting how that was kept off of the Investors Day. Yeah. All the announcements they they made that a surprise, which is you know fun. That's cool that they did that. A little more detail here, Drew. Book of Boba Fett is in production right now, mm-hmm. so we're getting it mm-hmm. soon. It's produced by Favreau and Filoni and. Robert Rodriguez. Nice. He directed that episode where Boba Fett makes yeah, his reemergence, right? So it makes sense that for like his comeback episode, Rodriguez, who's doing the show, would be involved. And Drew, this will continue the story of the Mandalorian, which will then be picked up with a season three of the Mandalorian. So, like, if you want to continue the story in full, you're gonna to have to watch Book of Boba Fett and then pick up Mandalorian season three. I mean, I plan on it anyway. And that is the plan. Mandalorian season three has been announced and all that stuff, so it's pretty cool. I'm in. Yeah, I'm into. I'm in. Uh, season two of Mando was so good. Yeah. Like, a big step up from season one, which was already good. Yeah, which is. I mean, in all reality, since Return of the Jedi, Mandalorian is probably the best thing Star Wars put out. Probably right. Well, I'd say since Last Jedi, I really like Last Jedi. People like Rogue One, too. I mean, of all the new ones, Rogue One's the best. Of all the new ones. Yeah, probably. I need to rewatch some of that new stuff. Um, but yeah, Mando is fucking... Damn, it's uh-huh. good. And people really like it. It's really... And it's selling people on bigger aspects of the lore, too. Yeah. Mandalore, the Darksaber, other uh, other characters from like the Clone Wars and Rebels and all that. Like, I barely gave a shit about all that, you know, but... Mandalorian now is really you know uh, so, now Tano. now now I have a reference point for Asokatano. I'm just that glad so many other people had. I'm just gl- glad we're getting away from the Skywalker clan. They're a bunch of fucking whiny pussies. <laughs> we were until we didn't though. Wow. <laughs> and then everyone was like, "Yay!" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, once again, I called it. Yeah. Um, you think um, Baby Yoda ultimately going to be killed by Kylo Ren in Luke Skywalker school? More than likely. Right, that's the only way the timeline no. works out, right? No. If you think that's the that's any other way that the timeline, man, no timeline can work out, let us know. Cinemacrespedisa at gmail.com. But talk someone I know, Star Wars fanatic, has a theory that 
based on the timeline, just the way it all works out, especially, and this was pre the end of the season. Mm -hmm. The end of the season sort of helps confirm this theory. Grogu gets taken to Luke's school, according to the, the, the Disney movies, uh, Kylo Ren was at that school as a young, as a younger, a teenager anyway, um, had a freak out moment, killed everyone, killed all the kids. Where is Grogu in the sequel trilogy? Dead. Ooh, huh. I don't want me dead. Fucking Kylo Ren gonna be killing Grogu? That's right. not cool, man. He has a redemption at the end of Rise of Skywalker. That redemption's a race if you kill Grogu. There is no redemption for killing Grogu. Forever a Sith. He's just a whiny Skywalker bitch. Uh, also, did you know uh, all in the in the Star Wars movies, all Siths are six feet tall or taller, and all uh, uh, Jedi are under six feet tall. Okay, I don't know if that was on purpose, but that's the way it happened. Cool. I guess I'm a Sith then. And you know what? <laughs> you I'm, a half, it? I'm a half inch. I'm a half inch short. I'm a Jedi. <laughs> cool. I, I'm barely Jedi. Uh, Jar Jar Binks, six feet tall. No. Isn't that interesting? That's interesting. Uh, okay, so Kevin Feige gave us some um, deets on She-Hulk starring Tatiana Maslany. Uh, She-Hulk being a character who turns into Hulk, uh, but stays Hulk, but keeps her intellect. Yes. Like a uh, uh, late-stage Hulk, Bruce Banner Hulk. Yes. When, when he's like figured out the final. Yeah, well, exactly. And luckily, in the Marvel movies, it only took a matter of movies. In comic book universe, it took fucking decades. Decades. <laughs> uh, so in the show She-Hulk, uh, Kevin Feige revealed that the genre of the show will be 30 minutes legal comedy. Okay. Because she's a lawyer. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So, so Night Court She-Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Expect Night Court She-Hulk. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. My, play all the genres. Who gives a yeah. shit? Uh, they're characters. You can do whatever you want with them. So, Bloomhouse has been uh, hitting the remake train. The, they had success with Halloween. Mm-hmm. They got the sequels coming out. Delayed, obviously, because of COVID. Um, David Gordon Green... Is in bed with them now, doing the Halloween movies. That's a fruitful relationship. So they've acquired another property to make another sequel, not a remake, not a prequel, but a sequel to The Exorcist. Okay, uh, I'm totally down for David Gordon Green's Exorcist. Yeah, it's not a sacred cow because there's already been Exorcist two and Exorcist three. So who gives a shit? Yeah. Also, uh. Exorcist Dominion and Exorcist prequel, whatever it's called, where uh, who did they hire? They hired Paul Schrader to make an Exorcist prequel. He shot in it's it's fucking Justice League. He shot an entire movie, turned to the producers. The producers were like, we hate this. And then they hired Rennie Harlan to reshoot the whole fucking thing. They kept the intro and then they reshot 90 percent of the movie and. But then Paul Schrader's version eventually came out. So there's two versions of the same movie that are completely different and both terrible. I hope Zack Snyder's Justice League isn't terrible. For real. Especially if it's going to be four hours of it now. God damn it. He's like adding new stuff. HBO's like, what what have we done? What have we done? (laughs) Warner Brothers. Why why are we doing this? We've opened up Pandora's box. It's an extra 80 to, I'm going to guess, $120 million. Seriously? <laughs> so what? They ended up shooting this movie three different times? Yeah. First with Snyder, then with Whedon, then with Snyder again? Gal Gadot has said that she has not reshot anything. 
So her stuff, whatever she shot already, is still intact. They didn't have to add anything. But Cyborg has added stuff. And who else uh, showed for shoots? Batman. I think Ben Affleck reshot stuff. I think. It's fat. I'm fascinated by it. I don't know if it's going to be good, but it's fucking fascinating. Um, so yeah, we got an Exorcist movie coming. I'm fine with it. Especially, I like David Gordon Green's evolving career. He started his first four movies or so were these little indie Americana classics. I mean, if you watch George Washington and then watch, like, Your Highness, it's like, how is this the same person? It, I don't understand how it's the same yeah, person. Then go watch Halloween. <laughs> yes! <laughs> yes! It's like, how is this the same person? It's crazy. Wait a minute, wait a minute, you're telling me the dumb brother from your highness helped write the new Halloween? Dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the guy went to film school. He wanted to be a director. <laughs> he probably still does. <laughs> He's still, like, every day, like, I'm going to make this fucking movie, man. <laughs> He's trying to make a movie, I guarantee it. Whatever you say, Kenny. Uh, man, I love that guy. Um, following up on the Tom Cruise outburst rant from a week or so ago... Apparently, after that rant, uh, he freaked out again. Well, not freaked out, but he yelled at everyone again. And it may have been in response to the audio coming out, uh, but then crew members quit. People have left the crew and everything. So now some of these stories are coming out that are almost like damage control. So here's this one where, who was this? A source from the UK production spoke with People magazine. It's hard to describe how incredibly intense and focused Tom Cruise is on making every movie the best movie possible. The Mission Impossible movies are very special to him. They are, quote, his movies. And we know that, mm -hmm. right? Like, being yeah. his, his first movie that he produced was Mission Impossible, so they are, like, his movies. Tom helped set up the COVID protocol. Of course, he takes it personally when the pro protocol is broken. And all the year, and this is the interesting part. And when you think about stories, like gossip columns and stuff, this all lines up. In all the years of filming Mission Impossible, no one of the Mission Impossible franchise, no one has ever even heard Tom raise his voice. He's usually just laser focused on filming. This movie is very different. He has to film while making sure everyone stays safe. So the Tom Cruise outburst, you motherfuckers, that is not um, default Tom Cruise. That's not how he operates, apparently. Apparently, he is much more even keel, which makes sense with the Scientology. Because the whole yeah. thing with Scientology is... Even keel. Even keel. <laughs> Your emotions are what control you, and they are bad, and you have to get rid of them. That's uh, Will Smith in After Earth. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why he's all the whole movie. Yep. He's like, you got to have no emotions, son. And you're like, this is... Why is this movie so boring? Oh, because no one has any fucking emotions. <laughs> it's bad for movies. Um... So it's fascinating that that freak out was really them Tom Cruise, like, just at his breaking point, just yeah. done, done with all the stress and all the shit. Like, it's, it's getting to him. And I wonder if that's going to affect the movie in a negative way. Like, will, uh, will the stress of the movie and all the distractions make it just so that the movie isn't as fun as it could be? Who knows? Maybe he'll break broke his ankles this time. <laughs> hey, we can only hope. <laughs> For our entertainment. We can only hope. Meanwhile, uh, someone then curated these articles uh, on on Cinema Blend, and it's a bunch of stuff, a few posts that actually came out before the rant hit online. So this is stuff that was before the rant, but only got noticed after the fact. If Tom Cruise is such a goddamn tyrant, this is why it also feels like it's propaganda for mm -hmm. the machine. Who wrote this? Did Scientology pay for this? But is Tom Cruise a true monster? Because uh, in the days before, people were posting pictures from the crew, like real below the line, makeup, makeup artists, the, the people you never hear from. 
about like, oh, look at the the cool things I'm getting from the Mission Impossible team. So this guy, Tim John Perkins, who's uh, who is he? He's just a, he's just a guy. He only showed the packaging. Well, look at that nice ass packaging of, oh, of, of yeah. some sort of gift. Yeah, and it says it's from Tom, not the crew. It says warmest wishes to you this holiday season, Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. Um, that's I don't know. That kind of feels like a Donald Trump signing Western. <laughs> okay, okay, fair. That's fair, that's fair. Okay. Um, here's another gift that someone got some. Uh, like put a picture of champagne that they got being on working on the makeup. From someone on the crew. Oh, someone had a socially distanced uh, birthday or Christmas oh, nice. dinner. They sit up in the hangar. All the tables are six feet apart. So, like, yeah, he's he's freaking out about people breaking COVID protocol, but they're also doing their best to try to make it a, a, a good working environment, too. So, I don't know. It just feels weird when people, like, point at Tom Cruise, like, oh, he's, he's like, the worst. He's gross. Like, I mean, there's so many worse people in the world. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's an awful piece of shit, but he's also human. Is he an awful piece of shit? He's just, like, wants to make movies. I don't know if he has any ambition outside of making movies. That's he his life. He probably doesn't. <laughs> That's his life. It's all he knows. He is probably, like, one of the smartest guys when it comes to making movies. Storytelling. He knows, yeah. like, all that shit. But, uh... Like, in a social situation, he's probably the most awkward. I have no idea how to handle anything else outside of life. Yeah, which is why he jumps on couches on Oprah. That Drew Sakaiwa, that's so funny. That couch, man, he was on that couch for three seconds. Three seconds. And he's forever the couch jumper. Yeah. Uh, That was... That happened the week YouTube launched. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. That was the first YouTube yeah. viral video was him jumping on that couch for a second. Just be like, I love her. It was weird. The was thing crazy. is, though, it's so out of character for him. Like you said, he's, so. he's always very reserved because he, because guy. He so so yeah. when he does go off keel, whether it's up or down, yeah. it's it's just it's not Tom Cruise. I agree. Yeah, you're right. And that was a short period of time when he fired his publicist, yep. and his sister was his publicist. And then it was this crazy story of him like arguing Brooke Shields about uh, postpartum depression and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh no, Tom, 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 no, no, no. Shh, quack, quack, quack. Hire better people. Movies, movies. Talk about movies. Talk about movies. Go back yeah. to movies. <laughs> You're going to space. You want to go to yeah, space? Yeah, yeah. You're making a movie. You want to go to space, you Tom? Want, want to make a movie in space? <laughs> want to make a movie in space? Shaking keys. In space? You want to go to space? Over here. Over here. Over here, boy. Over here. Hey, hey. Tom, Tom. Stop talking about the uh, depressants. Any depressants. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. No, 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 no. Tom, go make a movie. Um, His Dark Materials, renewed by HBO and BBC for a third and final season. Cool. So uh, it's a trilogy of books. They just turn each book into a season, and they're not stretching anything out unnecessarily. So. There you go, Drew. Uh, awesome. So now I have a reason to finish the season. You have a reason to finish, and I have a reason to uh, get Start. started on season two. I got to get started on season two. got to get caught up on The Expanse, so then we can do the final season of The Expanse, which, which I believe is just starting. It's, oh, it started uh, mid-December. So it's already been out for a little while. So, Ron, if you're still listening, buddy, expect at least one episode of you and, of Drew and I talking about The Expanse. You know what I'll do? Because Ron helped us out with the Lovecraft episode. Mm-hmm. Ron, are you still listening? Ron, are you listening? He, he can't respond to you. Oh, sorry, Ron. At least not live. Sorry, Ron. Um, I'll let you know when we're going to record that episode, when I'm all caught up, because I'm like a season behind or two, at least. Uh, and if you have questions for us, email us your questions, because he always has some good questions on these shows, and then we can kick him around for you know half an hour or 40 minutes, and we'll have an expanse episode for you next year, buddy. Bueno. So, look forward to that. Um, 
Zack Snyder on why DC movies can't and shouldn't be like Marvel movies. Okay. Uh, here he goes. He says, I think and I hope the idea is that it's like filmmaker first and then, which is basically what the multiverse allows for. So the filmmaker first and then here are the characters bringing the characters together. He goes on to elaborate. It symbolizes a sort of way to say like, it's okay. We're going to have this world where there's all these storylines going on at the same time. And I always thought that was DC's strength. Marvel has built it over a long period of time. So by the time they got to their later movies, everything had kind of locked in and was kind of all going in the same direction. That was never going to happen with DC because the DC TV shows were popular and their animated films were popular. Both very true. Things worked out pretty nicely. But other than that, I was like, look, I'm going to give you an Aquaman. I'm going to give you a Flash. Deal with them as you please. Uh, I think what he's saying makes sense. And it's what Warner Brothers and DC should be doing. So Marvel, now 23, 24 movies in, they have been just ended up doing a very cohesive storytelling, one universe thing. We, we've been watching the Marvel show. Yeah. Right. DC briefly tried that. Uh, Didn't work. It wasn't working. Producers both being scared by what they were seeing with Justice League in terms of how dark it was, and Zack Snyder uh, just not being able to deal with the suicide of his daughter, uh, then dropping out of the movie. That really blew up that whole, here's our connected universe thing, right? But then Suicide Squad made a bunch of money. Uh, Aquaman made a bunch of money. Wonder Woman made a bunch of money, all as separate entities. So Warner Brothers like, fine, we will go ahead and launch. Uh, we will... Uh, green light Matt Reeves Batman but we'll also move forward with Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League we'll we'll do as many different things as we can because fuck it we'll have Shazam uh, what's the name of it they're doing Shazam Black Adam separately yeah yeah they're doing Shazam they, they announced the title Family of the Gods or something and then Black Adam and then they're gonna they're gonna meet eventually or whatever so they're just like telling their stories as they have them they're, they're switching up the Suicide Squad they're introducing characters just so they can die but then they're gonna it's, have like prequel shows and HBO Max and shit it's what they should have been doing from the beginning instead of trying to follow the, the when DC first started they tried to do Marvel they tried yep. Yep. they wanted to yep. they wanted to do exactly what Marvel was doing they saw and those they grosses fucking failed they saw those grosses they saw the, that Avenger money yeah. and I was like we should be having Justice League money exactly they failed they fucked it up they tried they failed they've rebooted the whole idea and now it feels more organic and it's yeah it feels more organic and it's working for them if Wonder Woman 84 came out in theaters this summer it would have made 750 million yeah. to a billion dollars uh Aquaman 2 should be on track to be in theaters. Yeah, because now I'm thinking of post-vax world. Aquaman 2 will be in theaters. Um, yeah, they have movies that don't make money. They just need to do their thing and not try to copy. Meanwhile, this is interesting. Speaking of Marvel movies and how everything seems so singular, despite having so many different voices involved. Right, Drew? Mm-hmm. Um, so, Scott Derrickson directed... Doctor Strange, and he was developing Multiverse of Madness and then dropped out, right? And then Sam Raimi stepped in to direct. Here is a recent Scott Derrickson tweet. And while not naming any movie in particular, Drew, he sort of names a movie, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Here, listen to this quote, tell me what you think. 
Scott Dirksen on Twitter. I've made some hard creative choices this year, but I swore after making the day the earth stood still, 2008, that I would never again find myself at the end of somebody else's movie, and I'm sticking to that, end quote. So he's like, I can't. They're not letting me make my movie over at Marvel. Whereas at DC, Zack Snyder's saying they're letting the filmmakers make their movie. Mm-hmm. And then when the next filmmaker comes along. Well, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, well, and it's because Marvel has a singular vision. And if you can't tweak what you want into their vision, then it's not going to work. If you're not going to play a game, play ball with us in our game, then yeah, then it's all going to fall apart on us. So that's why he ends up leaving. And now apparently Sam Raimi's game for for trying to make that Marvel thing. But it's, Marvel I mean, forward. I mean, at this point in time, I think that was a then type of thing. I think with the advent of uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, mm-hmm. and now with this next Spider-Man movie having all of the Spider-Men that there ever was ever in it. Yeah, I think now. Marvel may be playing the DC book where, listen, we tried this singular thing and it worked and we made a couple billion dollars, but now let's try something else. Now we can multiverse it up. Yeah. I hope they're not looking at Into the Spider-Verse and they'll be like, oh, well, it worked for them. Right? No. Right? That's a Phil Lord <laughs> shit. Come on now. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. even then, that existed as a book anyway, so someone had figured it out yep. in writing. That's like... um when I when I finally watched it came out last year with Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yeah. and I watched movie like how does this work so well and then I look up online oh it's a six book run like they've already yeah. someone already figured it all out that's why it works because someone did the work yep um I'm we are pretty much out of time so I'm gonna cut a whole bunch of stories and we're gonna end with a couple first off Shia LaBeouf is um entering himself into rehab talking about how he's being sued by fka twigs he got fired drew apparently last year okay so there was a story about how he was on uh what's her name olivia wilde mm-hmm. she was making her book smart sophomore movie her follow-up movie mm-hmm. and it's uh shia labeouf was fired before production started and apparently it was for well they just said at the time drew scheduling conflicts mm-hmm. right but now it has come out that he was fired because Olivia Cook has a no a zero assholes policy on set. No, he was a dick. And he was a total dick to everyone. So he got fired for just who he was. Okay. Um, he put out a statement talking about how he's looking for, oh, it's through his lawyer. His lawyer put out a statement. They're looking for inpatient, long-term inpatient rehab treatment for him for his both addiction issues and psychological issues that he knows he needs help. He's going to seek help. Um, He is not going to invalidate very specific language that he's not going to say he never admits anything, but he's also like, I'm not going to invalidate someone else's how they how they feel how I made them feel. Chris, there's a legal term for it. Mm-hmm. It's called pleading no contest. <laughs> it is kind of a no contendere. Yeah. Yeah. It's pleading no contest. It's like, listen. I'm not going to say I'm they're not, wrong. I'm not saying I did it. <laughs> yeah. But what I'm saying is I'm not going to contest the charges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay? That's what I'm, he's not, doing. I'm not admitting guilt. Yeah. All I'm saying is they could probably prove their case. That's 100% what's <laughs> going on. He's like, I'm not saying I didn't, but... What if I did? Yeah, he's, he's pleading no contest, Chris. I've done that in my entire life. So he's pleading no contest, and he's checking himself into a rehab facility, just trying to stay out of prison, probably, yeah. or he's jail. Yeah. I've never I've never pled guilty in my life. And then it's a type of thing, yeah. 
Yeah, smart. You plead no contest. Yeah, don't, plead, <laughs> don't plead guilty. It's definitely easier. Um, and it's a type of thing where things are snowballing. Other people feel more emboldened now. Like, yeah, actually, he was abusive to mm-hmm. me as well. So it's a bummer. Because, uh, you know, around these parts, we I, I like to try to... I've been rooting for him. I like him as an artist. But... Hey, man, listen. I watched Honey Boy. I know how fucked up he is in the head. And even, and even that director, <laughs> that director, she was like... Um, so I don't know if she witnessed stuff, so she didn't say anything negative about him, but she was also like, I, I still got to stand with uh, little the, um, the accusers. So interesting. Anyway, final story, final story to, on more of an upper note here. This is a somewhat older quote from like a year ago, but mm-hmm. for some reason it's making the rounds again and people are hearing it for the first time. And I don't think we reported on it for some reason. So here we go. There is a... Harrison Ford quote okay. that has Star Wars fans all a Twitter and all a giggling. Okay. <laughs> it's the most Han Solo thing ever. Mm-hmm. If you recall, maybe Rise of Skywalker, there's a scene where he reappears to speak to uh, Kylo Ren. It was originally supposed to be Carrie Fisher, mm-hmm. but she yeah. you know, obviously passed. So they asked him to do the scene and where he appears to him sort of like in a vision. And someone asked him at USA Today... When he appeared, was he a force ghost in that scene? Harrison Ford's uh, response true quote, I have no fucking idea what a force ghost is, <laughs> and I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> End quote. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, don't you motherfuckers understand? I was supposed to be dead after the first movie. I yeah. signed on for one movie 50 years ago, and I'm still dealing and with I'm this still, shit. You're still <laughs> asking me questions. Don't you want to ask me about my earring? <laughs> no, we're tired of the earring. We want to ask you about Han Solo. What, what about my pilot's license? No, you keep crashing. We want to ask you about Han Solo. Oh, uh, Did I mention I smoke a lot of weed? Yeah, that's cool. You got any on you? No. Would be cooler if you did, man. <laughs> Cooler if you did. One of my favorite Han Solo stories is a fourth hand story. How does this work? I heard it on a podcast of someone talking about someone else talking about a thing that they saw. Um, but it's Greg Proops, the comedian. He was in England shooting. He was recording his audio and shooting, but then they didn't use the footage for he was one of the two-headed announcers in the pod race scene mm-hmm. for episode one. So he got to go to England and shoot there at um, Pinewood. And they used the same employees there. This was in 98, 99. They were using the same employees that they're using in the 70s. Yeah. So his driver that took him to the set was the same one that drove Harrison Ford back in the 70s. And Harrison Ford would be smoking Halloween before he went to the set every day. Sure. So one day, Harrison Ford comes running out to the car and he has a, a, a pot, a saute pot with a, a lid on it in his and he runs into the car with that. He didn't have a lighter. He put it in the saute pan until it smoked. He kept the smoke in there so he could inhale it on his way, right? So he on his in the back seat on the way to studio, like snorting out of the fucking uh, the pot of weed. What a it, fucking pothead! Is that is that <laughs> awesome? What a fucking pothead! Oh my god, Harrison <laughs> Ford, we're fans. We love you. Um, so that's the end of the episode. True Chicago, thank you, sir. You're welcome, Chris. And you are welcome, listeners, for this week's free episode. The last episode of 2020. Happy Dang. Drew Year, Drew Chicago. I'm still looking forward to 2020 being over. 2020 is done. 2021 is going to be worse. But you know what? It's fine because we're here for you. And uh, that's it. Sign up for the Patreon. Give us money as we are out of here.
A PFT Media Production.